So last week I started looking at um, uh, the fact that Jesus is not uh, nicer than God. So the question was, was Jesus ni- is Jesus nicer than God? And I tried to help us understand that, you know, many of us still think that way because um, in some way, some way in our mind, we think uh, God can do harm to us that Jesus can never do to us in the form of punishment or sometimes to make something good out of it. And if Jesus will never do harm to you or will never harm you in order to make any good out of it, then you are saying that Jesus is nicer because he will never harm you, uh, is nicer than God because he will never harm you. He will probably step in and help you. So I want to build on that this morning because there's still this uh, discrepancy or disconnect in people's minds about the nature or about the character of God. And one of the things I want you to bear in mind is this. So one of the most important knowledge for you as a believer is the knowledge about the character of God. One of the most important knowledge that every believer should have is a knowledge about, is a true knowledge about the character, about the nature of God. If you don't have the true knowledge of who God is and um, emphasis on that word true, the true, the exact, the real, the original, unadulterated knowledge of who God really is. If you don't have that, you are susceptible to manipulations, to deception. Like I said two weeks ago, people can deceive you. They can ask you to bring anointing oil for exploit, anointing oil for breakthrough, anointing oil for this, bring money for this so that God can bless you and all kind of stuff. So it is important that you have a true knowledge of who God truly is so that you can be stable in your work with God. And also so that you can build a vibrant relationship with the Father. Amen. Praise the Lord. So now we today we want to look at Jesus being the exact representation of God. The exact representation of God. First of all, I would like us to establish one fact that God sent Jesus into the world. Jesus did not come on his own to do whatever he likes. God sent Jesus into the world. John chapter 3, let's go to John 3, and we'll read 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his, own, his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That's one scripture there to tell you that Jesus did not come on his own to do whatever he likes to be nice or to, or to show a difference between himself and God. The Bible says that God sent Jesus. The Bible says God did not send Jesus to condemn the world. He sent him so that the world through him might be saved. Right? He sent him so that through him we can receive eternal life. So have this in your mind, in your notes, that God sent Jesus. Amen. God sends Jesus. Now, let's go to chapter 1 and look at 17, uh, verse 17 and 18. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So God sent Jesus, right? right? God sent Jesus into the world. And what came through Jesus Christ? Grace and truth. So Jesus brought the truth to us about who God truly is. Amen. Jesus 
came to show us, to tell us, to demonstrate to us the truth about the character and the nature of God. So whatever you have thought about God, if it is different to who Jesus is and what Jesus represents, you have been mistaught, misinformed, or misled. Amen. Verse 18 reads, of John chapter 1, No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is, in, and is in the closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. No one have, has ever seen God. Some people thought Moses saw God. Moses never saw God. If you go back to the book of Exodus, even chapter 20, if you look at chapter 19, chapter 20, even the Bible states clearly there that what appeared to Moses was a cloud. It wasn't God. So if anybody tells you they have ever seen God, they've seen God, it's a lie. Because the Bible tells us here clearly that no one has ever seen God but Jesus. So if Jesus is the only one who has seen God and he himself God and came from the Father, so who can tell us exactly the character, who God truly is? Jesus. I shared last week that many guys in the Old Testament, now I'm sharing with you much more that these guys have never seen God. I mean, I'm giving you more information now that those guys in the Old Testament have never seen God. So to a very much extent, they described God based on their own human perception. See, it is normal that human beings will want to describe something based on their own perception, their understanding, or their level of knowledge. It's common. That's how we live our lives. The level of knowledge we have about any subject determines how far we can or how well we can teach that subject. Misinformed people would teach and speak sometimes boldly based on their misinformation. Amen. So people in the Old Testament, based on what they think, assume, perceive about who God is, was what they said about God. But God sent Jesus to show us who he truly is. The Bible says grace and truth came through Jesus. Grace there means undeserved kindness, undeserved favor, the goodness of God, unmerited favor, the unconditional love of God expressed to the person of Jesus Christ came through Jesus. Jesus came to express God to us, the God who loves you unconditionally. Amen. So the Bible says that no one has ever seen God. So if Jesus was the only person who has ever seen God, who was with God and is in closest relationship with God. So who knows God better? Moses, Elijah, Jeremiah, or Jesus? Amen. Let's carry on. Now, even God said to us, in the Bible, the Bible document that God tells us to listen to Jesus. God said, listen to him. So grace and truth came through what? Jesus Christ. Jesus is in closest relationship with, with the Father. And now God is saying, listen to him. So let me show you where God said we should listen to Jesus. Let's look at Matthew chapter 17, verse 1 to 5. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. 
just then, there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to who? Listen to my son. You know what God did there? And that mountain of transfiguration, you know, Elijah came up, Moses came up with Jesus, and um, God knew that people were still going, a lot of people were still living their lives by what Moses told them. The lack of spiritual understanding and insight of the people of the Old Testament could not help them to differentiate between what Moses told them and what God said through Moses. And if you and I want to explore, it might take us weeks for us to go through all of the New Testament scriptures, all the epistles, line by line, word for word, and compare them with everything Moses said. And I can tell you, over 50% of what Moses said were things that he thought through was good as part of governance. They were not things that God said. Okay, let's take a minute for example. You know, it's written in the law that you should not wear a clothing with two types of material. So which means for someone like me who is wearing jeans and linen, I'm, I'm sinning. Do you know that in the Old Testament, the people were not supposed to eat any animal that was deemed unclean? If you go to the book of Acts, you find out that Peter, when Cornelius sent to him to bring him, the Bible says he, was, he saw a vision, a sheet from heaven came down with all manner of animals. And Peter said to God, God, I have never eaten anything unclean. And the Lord said to him, now, rise up, take, kill and eat. This is not to confuse you. This is to tell you that the whole testament should not be your half hour and omega and your revelation basis for the character and the nature of God. God has done an, am an amazing work, a beautiful work, by saying there's a lot of issues going on that was going on in the Old Testament. People did not know that there was a devil in the world and anything that's beyond natural, anything supernatural, they say God did. And they say, you know what? I'm going to send Jesus, besides the fact that this guy is going to die for them to take away their sins, deliver them from the power of the devil, I'm also going to demonstrate to them in the person of Jesus who truly I am. I'm not the God who does evil to them. Amen. So if God never did evil, so if Jesus never did evil, then God can never do evil. I repeat, if Jesus never did evil while he was on earth, God will never and can never do evil. Then, you might want to ask, so many of the killing and the death and the disaster and the leprosy and all kinds of things in the Old Testament, who was behind it? Then, that's the beginning of a new study. You and I then need to begin to study what was behind it. Was it Miriam who was, um, who was rebellious towards Moses? And the Bible says God struck her with leprosy. I don't believe that. God does not strike people with evil, with darkness. If Jesus would never strike a person with leprosy, we should never expect God to do such a thing. 
Amen. So there are many things in the Old Testament that we don't understand that we cannot understand. And it's, it's better for us not to understand them. And it's okay for us to leave them aside and focus on the direction we are going. What's God saying about you? What does God want to do through your life? Take your time to understand who you are in Christ Jesus. What is God's plan and purposes for your life? And mind your business with all the respect. I'm not insulting you. I'm just telling you what we should do. And the reason why I said people should mind their business is because many people, many Christians, as I speak, still want to uncover the cloud of glory, the storm of glory in the Old Testament, in your business. Many of them do not even know what, what redemption truly means, what sanctification means. Amen. What holiness truly means. Many of them don't know. There are many things they do not know, but they stick their mind and their nose in the Old Testament. I'm not saying we should stop reading the Old Testament. What I'm saying is we should interpret the event of the Old Testament through the lens of the New Testament. I can hear questions uh, after the service, as we normally do. You know, uh, guys, you're free to ask your questions. Praise the Lord. Right, let's carry on here. Right, so... Please bear with me with this tablet thing. So we saw there in uh, Matthew chapter 17, God said, listen to Jesus. So stop listening to Moses. Stop listening to Elijah. There's a song that sings, if I be a man of God, let fire fall. People praying, the fi- people praying fire down on their enemy. No, no. That is Elijah's mind. Elijah roasted those guys. Elijah killed those guys. It wasn't God who killed people with fire. So stop listening to Elijah and Moses. Listen to Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Let's take it one step further. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 1. So I'm going to read verse 1 and 2. Now the Bible says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. Wait, 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 watch, watch, watch this. In the past, did he say in the present? No. In the past. There is a past, there's a present. Where are you? The past or the present? You are in the present. And there's a future laid ahead of you. So in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. Verse 2. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. By who is God speaking to us now, or has spoken to us now? His son. Did he not tell you Matthew chapter 17 that you should listen to his son? In the past, he spoke to the people through prophets, various ways, signs. Because those guys were spiritually dead. They don't have the Spirit of God on the inside of them. So you have to speak to them through everything possible. So that's why your dream is not the most accurate or the best platform through which God will want to speak to you. God wants to speak to you through His Spirit in you. He wants to speak to you through His Word. God can speak to you through any medium possible. But He's chosen... An authentic way to speak to you is through His Spirit in you and the Word of God. Because the Spirit of God in you is the Spirit of Christ. And the Word of God is Christ Himself. 
I'm not talking about the events and the stories written in the Bible. I'm talking about the brief word, the inspired word by the Holy Ghost in the Bible is the word of Christ, is Christ himself. Amen. So, God is speaking to us in these last days through Jesus. So, who should you listen to? Jesus. The word of God. The epistles, the inspired word of God. Not that God killed one person and God can kill you if you mess up. That is not the inspired word of God. And that's why I said, the word of God, the inspired word of God is documented in the Bible. But not every word documented in the Bible is the word of God. Let me repeat that. The word of God, the word inspired by God, the words of Christ are documented in the Bible. But not every word documented in the Bible is the word of God. Their events, their perceptions, we're going to get into the story of Job next week. Their events, their perceptions, there's all manner in the Bible. And this is why we need to read the Bible in context. What was the event? Who is speaking? Why did they say what they said? To whom were they speaking? Do you know that the Ten Commandments was not written to you and I? They were written to the, to the, to the Jews. Many commandments in the Bible were not written to the Gentiles. They were written to Pharisees. Those are they were written to Jews. So for the New Testament believer to want to conduct their lives by the laws that were given to Jews in the past is for the, it shows that they are naive. They do not know what Christianity truly is. Do you know the thousands of Christian churches that are built on what God said in the past to people who were not spiritually sound? Or do not have the spirit of Christ. So whenever you see a person who hates Christianity or does not want to have anything to do with Christianity, you can tell they've been wrongly taught, or they were they were part of a church, or they were with some Christians that were living their life by what God said in the past, or conducting the or people were conducting themselves by the principles of Moses, many of which he did not hear from God. Even though, the, even, even though Moses wrote it in the Bible that God said, many things that Moses said in the Bible, God did not say. If, including myself, there are things sometimes I think God says to me, but I'm not going to move. But, but, most of the time, in those things that I thought God said to me, you know, I, all the time I'll, I'll say, I'm not very comfortable, very confident about it. So I'm not going to make a move. Right. And when I spend my time, spend some time praying about those things, after a while, I didn't clearly hear what God is saying. There was a time I was going to take a step. I thought I had God, but I, I, but I didn't have peace in my heart. It was just all over the place. So one Saturday, just the day before I, would, I was going to take a step, there was so much unrest in my heart. So I decided, I decided to pray about the situation. I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed about 50 something minutes into the prayer. All of a sudden, I was caught in a kind of a trance, a kind of a vision. You know, my, my senses were kind of suspended. And I could hear God clearly saying things to me like, Tinder, you want to go to this church? I did not send you there. I was like, ah. You know, he said, so you had yourself. And the Lord rewinded event and took me back to the beginning of the day. The thoughts that were going on in my mind and how I got to the point where I was sympathetic about a pastor and I thought the pastor needed help. And all of a sudden, I just felt God was leading me to go help the pastor. And he told me, 
if he told me if I if I go, the disaster, the trouble that will happen, the fights that will happen between my wife and the pastor's wife, and how things are going so bad. So I didn't go ahead. And trust me, fast forward, looking at some events that I planned out, if we had gone, it would have been one of the one of the greatest and deepest sorrowful decisions we have made in our life. Amen. And to have really damaged us, damaged our marriage and things like that. Because at that point in time, the man and his wife were a piece of work. Praise the Lord. So, when you see believers, right, when you see believers angry about Christianity, don't, don't be upset. Don't feel uncomfortable. It just shows that they, when they do not know the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and what he has spoken to us through his son in this time. Some of us here, you know, I still hear and there about Transformers Church, uh, you know, because of your experiences in your whole church. You know, I spent about two years trying to show us who we truly are, what I stand for. If after two years people are not convinced that I'm teaching the gospel and commit to the level to which the Lord is inspiring them to commit, there's nothing I can do about it. And I'll not labor on toil anymore or chase people kind of stuff. Because if a man shows you integrity and sound doctrine, sound scripture for over two years, and you're still having doubts, and somebody said, one pastor said, there's nothing I can do. I got to move on and go face the people who are desperately praying that God, that they will find a church like Transformers Church. Amen. What have I said that? I've said that to challenge you, that you have to leave the past behind you. Let go of those things you've been taught, those bad treatments, and face your life. Focus on the future. This last is what's God saying to you. Leave the past behind you. You cannot do the past. You were wrongly informed about the past. Because I was part of religious organizations and churches that abuse, controlled, manipulated. I was angry for many years. But I thought about it one day. It's, there's no point. Because my life would not move forward if I keep holding on to the past. I got to move forward. Amen. So let's shake up. Let's shake up the dust. Let's wake up. Let's rise up. Let's hold on to Jesus. Let's hold on to Jesus and what he said to us, what he's saying to us about the Father so that we can receive healing, so that we can move on, so that we can do and become what God has called us to do. Amen. Praise God. So, Jesus what? Um, the Bible says what? In these days, in these last days, God has spoken to us by his son. Let's go to verse 3 of Hebrews chapter 1. You know, we're building a case here. So, verse 3 says, The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. The exact representation of his character. The exact representation of his personality. The exact representation of the way he thinks. The exact representation of how he behaves. The exact representation of how he feels. Let's, let, let's, take, it, let's take it again. The sun is the radiance of God's glory. And the exact representation of his being. Exact. Not a copy. Exact representation. This is God personified. This is God in the flesh. This is God in person, in human form. Exact representation. I didn't write the Bible. So whatever you cannot think Jesus will do to you in terms of harm, never think God will do to you. If you did not pray before you leave your house and you, God forbid, you were you were stuck in traffic or had a, somebody brushed your car or something, 
Many people are quick to say or to think, ah, it's because I didn't pray this morning. Question number one, would Jesus bring a vehicle to hit you because you did not pray? Many of us will say, God forbid. So why do you, why do you say, or why do you think that God did that to you? You hear stupid things like, if you don't pay your tithe, God will collect it in sickness. God will collect it in uh, accident. God will collect it in hospital bills. It's one of the most stupid and I need big awards. One of, because stupid is delight. It's one of the most stupid things I've ever had a human being say about God. Do you think God needs your money? The Bible, the Bible says the head is the Lord and the fullness thereof. So even if you're a billionaire, how much is your tithe? That is enough to, that is enough to make God comfortable. I mean, what is you? Who are you? What do you have? So, because you did not take one tiny, mega, insignificant sum of money to church in form of tithe, so God then put sickness on your children, got you to have accident. The devil is a bastard. I repeat, I'm, no, no, I, someone thinks, Pastor God, I know the devil is a bastard. The devil that inspired those words in their mind is a bastard. I'll say it over and over again. Fire burn that devil that inspired human beings to think low of God as a hungry God, a God who has a need. That devil will not die well. You know why I'm very serious about this? I know how people, I know of instances where the people are, whereby people have died because of a fear of unforgiveness and the wrath of God because they don't pay their tithe. The man of God said, he said, if you don't pay your tithe, you go to hell. He said, pastor should go and tell their leaders. That's simple. That was a devil speaking through the man of God with all the respect. No respect about it. It's because it's Christ. That was a devil speaking. Tithe. See, for every New Testament believer, part of you expressing the nature of God inside of you is to give. So you go to church, they pay bills, they do stuff. The pastor is laboring on you and things like that. The Bible did say that, Paul said that, God designed such that a man who labors on you guys in the world, not the ones who is giving you bikini and things for you to look at and telling you because Jesus is the stripper, blah, blah, kind of stuff, like Jesus is the kind of nonsense going on on social. But a man who labor in the world of you, he said the Bible says that you should, you should respond to their labor by blessing them with your material things. That's what the Bible says. And even Paul said it, doesn't, it did not use or enforce that, that right. And this position, like I said to people, I said, I don't need people's money. When people give to church, I'm so excited because I can get more job done. Now we're looking at buying a commercial property for church and things like that. We're talking about that this morning, but that's the gist for the future. And things that we are planning for the church. I mean, it's a lot of stuff that myself and me are doing behind the scenes for this church, for the future of the church. I need money. If a man gives, glory be to God, they are part of it. They are giving their money into something that would, that would, that would retain the gospel for generations to come. So even personally, I'm not using that right and I'm not using it for any reason. God said to me one day, he said, he told me, we're talking about my finances. And I was struggling because, not in my finances, because I got to do my work. I got to be expert in what I do, secular-wise, to raise money, to look after my family and things like that. And one day I was like, Lord Jesus, this is hard. 
<laughs> and the Watson said to me, said, you know, it must stay that way, that I don't take money from the church. So I take my finances very seriously. So the Bible deemed that, you know, we bless people. You know, Paul said at some point, he said, if I bless you with spiritual things, is it bad if you bless me with your material things? I'm not asking for anyone. I've said so far, I don't need people's money or resources. The Lord is my source. I, I like to keep my confidence and my boasting to say, yeah, nobody made me rich. But God. So it is, what I'm trying to say is that it, 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 is, it is common sense for a believer to give to their local church. It's just common sense. It's just common sense. I mean, all the people have not been given. How many times has God killed you with sickness or disease? So it's not making sense. Do you know how many people are not given to their local church? And they didn't have accident. They didn't have... But one person, because they respect the pastor or the man of God, believe in it and demons jump into their life and begin to manipulate their life and their senses, their, their life, their materials, their wealth, everything. These are big stuff, man. So Jesus is the exact representation of God. So if Jesus will not kill you, put sickness and disease on you, never expect God to do such to you. Praise God. Now, so let's start looking at how Jesus, you know, was, um, is, is the exact representation of God. So let's look at John chapter 5. So I'm going to call a few scriptures out there to just help you guys. I will normally not go into much Bible verses like this, but I need to give them to you so that you can go and meditate on them. So let's, John 5, let's quickly read 37 to 39. <clears throat> Watch this. Jesus, Jesus speaking now. Jesus. And the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice, nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one he sent. So you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. Earlier on I said to you, if you want to understand the Old Testament, start from the New Testament. Because even though there's a lot of distortion about the, about a, in the interpretation of the things that those guys in the Old Testament heard, see, the common thread, the thread that goes through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is Christ. The thread that runs through the gen from Genesis to Revelation is Christ. So there's so many things that we're speaking in in, in uh, I'm looking for how to describe it. They were, thinking, they, were, they were spoken of in form, in allegory, in some kind of descriptive way. Because the people were spiritually dead, they did not know that it's Christ. And the Bible tells us that even prophets, they were looking forward to the Christ that we have had. But they did not even know it's Christ. They only call it mystery. The mystery of God. And that's why Paul explained what the mystery of God is First Corinthians 2. The mystery. Because in the Old Testament, they didn't get it. But they knew there was something. You and I are privileged and blessed that we know that mystery, that that mystery of God is Christ. So Jesus said here, God sent. And that Old Testament, what those guys don't understand, they were pointing to me. Amen. Colossians 1.15 The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Verse 19 for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. When you see Jesus, you see God. 
Jesus is the exact image of God. He pleased God that they, all of himself, all of himself, loaded in the spirit of Jesus. So when you see Jesus, you see God. Amen. Colossians 2.9, for, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity, talking about God, lives in bodily form. Take note of those verses. Colossians 2.9, Colossians 1.15 and 19. And ponder on it. Hebrews chapter 1, 1 to 3. John chapter 5, verse 37 to 39. Digest it. Think about them this week. Amen. Jesus said, of his, uh, Jesus said himself in John chapter 10, verse 30. He said, myself and my father are one. Let's quickly look at um, John chapter 5. I'll read, from, I'll read from verse 16 to 21. How, this is a, a, one of those deep class intense a little bit, right? Uh, just let's take it. This, you need to do this kind of sessions from time to time. Praise God. John chapter 5, let's read verse 16 to 21 very quickly. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, My father is always at work, at his work. To this very day, I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can, only, he can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does in like manner. Can you guys give me like for five minutes for us to explore this? I'm joking. Let's take verse 19 again. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only, say only, only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. You see Jesus healed the sick, raised the dead. Those are exactly what God is doing in the spirit realm. Jesus, while he was on earth, was also expressing them in the physical realm. That you can see it. The Bible says in the book of um, is it James, that can salt water and fresh water come out of the same source, same spring? He said no. It's not possible for salt water and fresh water to come out from the same source. Likewise, it's not possible for God to do evil at the same time do good. It's either good or evil. But what we saw in the life of Jesus is good. So if what Jesus was manifesting on earth is what he sees his father do in, not did or done, do in, then God is continually doing good. Don't, do you remember, do you see there that it says, the father is always at work, verse 17. The father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. So the father is working. So what's the father doing? Doing good. Because what we saw Jesus do is doing good. Acts 10, 38 says, how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good. Let's, let's read it. Acts 10.38. It 
So how God and who anointed Jesus? God. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power and power. And how he went around doing good. The father is always at work. Jesus is always at work. They are doing what? Doing good. And healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Now watch this. So when people say stupid and dumb things like, you see, God is putting this sickness on you to make something out of it. It is stupid to the power of a million. Because the Bible tells us here that God was doing good. So are you saying God is putting sickness on people and also healing them? It's dumb. Do you know why I'm, I'm putting labels on it that stupid dumb? So that when the devil trick you with a thought to saying that this sickness is from God, because you know it's a dumb thought, you will cast the devil down. Because the Bible has clearly told you and I that God is always at his work. What, and what is he doing? Doing good. Amen. Doing good. So God does good. He does not do evil. As I wrap up, Do you know Jesus healed a sinner? There was a man who was invalid for 38 years. John chapter 5, verse 14. Sometimes people think it's when they've done good, they've done well, that God will hear their prayer, or God will heal them. John 5, let's go to verse 14. So after Jesus healed this guy, verse 14 says, Later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Did Jesus say stop sinning so that God will not bring that sickness back on you? He said stop, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Who is the author? They have found the Omega of sin. The devil. Jesus said to this guy, stop doing those things because the devil is going to bring much more to you. But you know those guys were still spiritually dead. They did not really understand the ministry of the devil. How many times did you see the people talk about the devil in the Gospels? Jesus was one talking about the devil in the Gospels. The thief comes down but to steal and to destroy. Up until the time that Jesus died and was raised from the dead, people did not really understand there was a devil in the world. So every evil they saw, they saw he's God. Because it's supernatural, he's God. Do you see that? So which means this guy was sinning. What brought sickness into this guy's life was his sin. To a very much extent. And Jesus did not rule this guy out or disqualify him for healing because of his behavior. He still went ahead and healed him. So I'm saying to you this morning, no matter what you're going through, now, this is not a justification of sin. Jesus does not condone sin. But Jesus would not stand and watch you die and rot in a sickness and disease. He will heal you. He will heal you first, then we talk about your sin and behavior. So if anyone has disqualified you for healing for any reason under heaven because something you did not do well, they have lied to you. Because we see in the Bible here an instance where Jesus healed the person first of all before he talked about their sin. I repeat, it's not a justification for sin. It's an, it's, a, it's an expression of the goodness and the kindness of God. That God's love and kindness towards us is unconditional. Praise God. If we are wallowing in sin and doing all kind of stupid stuff, we are giving the devil chance into our lives. Praise God. So Jesus healed a sinner. 
Amen. The woman that was caught in the act of adultery, let's John chapter 8. Just just a feeling example, then we shut down. John chapter 8, verse 11. The woman that was caught in the very act of adultery. Very act of adultery. The question we should, we should also ask is, where is the man? But let's leave, that's, that's something for another day. Now, Jesus said, he said, now, Jesus asked the woman, he said, uh, let me, let's take it from verse 10. Jesus straightened, straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go and live your life of sin. Go and live. L-E-A-V-E. Stop sinning. Jesus did not come to condemn people. So it's not the pastor's right to condemn and write people off. See, in my ministry, people who are struggling with sin and addiction and all kind of behavior have been healed of those behavior by teaching them the word of God and showing them the implication of what they do. Not by telling them, you sin, God will, be, God, God will kill you. Because if you know how dangerous, how, if, you, if you're a person who has some sense, and you know something is killing you, and I show you how to leave that thing and go into something else and do what God is calling you to do, you will, because you're a person who has common sense, you will leave that thing because it's destroying you. Do you know why a lot of people are still sinning? Because the devil is deceiving us and our emotions are deceiving us that this, will, you know, this is a gratification. This, this is what we need. This is what is helping us. You know, it's a kind of, it's a kind of self-medication. But if you can know that that sin is taking us and taking us deeper and deeper into it, so that we will not be free, one day we say enough is enough. Praise the Lord. Um, the woman at the well, a Samaritan woman, this is, as I shut down on this one, you know, I've seen a man of nonsense in the church where they, they are in support of one tribe, white, and blacks are not welcome. Some tribe are not welcome because some in all manner of nonsense. Jesus showed us an example. The Samaritans were considered um, not worthy to have conversation with Jewish people. They were inferior to Jewish people in the mind of those unserious people back there. Now, watch this. Take your time to read the book of John chapter 4. This woman was not just only a Samaritan. She was a Samaritan who was living an adulterous lifestyle. She, was, <laughs> she had a man in her house who is not her husband. <laughs> so her case is such one that she's not qualified to enter the church. But Jesus, showing us the, who God is, Jesus spoke to this woman, helped this woman, preached the gospel to this woman. And when that woman saw the goodness and the kindness of God, do you know what she did? She ran into the village and told everybody about Jesus. Preach the gospel to people. Teach them the right things. Show them the goodness and the kindness of God. And they will live sin and the lifestyle they are living. So she was not just, she was not only inferior in the hearts of the Jews. She's even a woman. And women were not really considered to be anything or any, they were, they were considered second class, even below second class in those days. And then in, on top of it, she, she's had she's five husbands. And then she had, she, 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 she was living with a man who is not her husband. See, you see that our life is just don't have any form of shape. Is that how you feel or somebody that you know feel? Then send this message to them. You two hear it. God does not relate with you based on what you think, how messy your life is. See, if you think your life is a mess, well, congratulations. You are the kind of people that Jesus is looking for. 
You think you don't, you are not worthy of God. You are the qualified, you are, you are the qualified candidates for the gospel of grace and the goodness and the kindness of God. Finally, our picture of God must come from knowing Jesus. Whatever we cannot imagine Jesus will do to you, whatever you, we cannot imagine Jesus will do to us, we should not imagine God will do such to us. If you want to know what God is like, you don't start with the Old Testament, you start with the New. Study the life and the teachings of Jesus. When we understand that God is like, when we understand what God is like, through Jesus, we can avoid being deceived and all manipulated by people who misrepresent him. Let's bow our heads for prayers. Father, we thank you for this morning. In the name of the Lord Jesus, for your word has come to us expressly. We thank you for how you blessed us, Lord. Showing us from your word that you are a good, good father. Lord, we pray that this revelation and insight will be part and parcel of us. We're part of our lives and we live by them. And we see the result, the benefit of knowing who you truly are, which is in developing a stronger relationship with you and not being deceived, manipulated by people uh, uh, who are deceptive and wolves in sheep clothing in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.